All right, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. I feel like we knew each other online for a while before we met in person. And then we met through the Central Park Business Association where you gave a presentation. And that day I realized I needed to get into group exercise, which I've really enjoyed at the bar method was amazing. So thank you so much for joining me. And I kind of want to um, start behind or in the back of kind of your career and starting out, I guess, even before that, where did you grow up? I actually grew up in California, Southern California, but I have been in Colorado for about 20 years. So I came out here uh, just after finishing my undergraduate degree and went straight to Denver for a job opportunity that um, kind of kept me here for a couple of years. And I thought, oh, I might head home. And then I met my now husband and he had family here. So we stayed. We started off kind of close to DU Wash Park area in Denver. And then once we were gonna have our third child, we decided to move to North East Denver. So the Central Park neighborhood. And when we moved here, I had this great idea. So I was driving from here, north of I-70 to Cherry Creek for my favorite workout. And that was the bar method. Um, and I was like, this is crazy. I'm driving 35 minutes. You know, if there's traffic, it could be more. Why am I doing this? And so I would actually go at 530 in the morning because that's when there was no traffic. So I could get there faster. And I started thinking about like what fitness opportunities or outlets were already here in Central Park, you know, almost seven years ago at this point. And there really weren't that many. There were a core that had been here the kind of from the beginning. But I was thinking about how the neighborhood north of I-70 was going to grow, and I saw a lot of opportunity. So I had this crazy idea that maybe I should open a bar method out here. That is a crazy idea, and I want to get to more, more of that. But back us up. Where, how, what was your degree in? What kind of career did you have before you decided to open your own franchise or have your own franchise, which is a lot of work and a lot? Yeah, which you're probably wondering, well, what did you do before this that make you, made you think that you could uh, pull this off? So um, a couple of things were really key in making me, giving me kind of the confidence that I could actually maybe do this. Um, my undergraduate degree is in communication, and I kind of started down that path in school and then got offered a job actually with my family's business. And my father... My grandfather, his father, uncles, all entrepreneurs, all had their own businesses. And so my dad's company was is a ceramic supply company. He has since retired. But I was graduating and he said, we were in California, and he said, do you want to move to Denver and run the location out in Denver? And I was probably three months away from graduating, didn't really know what I was going to do. I had a degree in communications from um, UC Santa Barbara. And I thought, yeah, I'll go. Like, I'll just go to this place I've never been. I'll make it a home and we'll try to run this place. I was going to have four or five employees, all male, all older than me. But I thought, I can do this. And the reason they had asked is because I had a cousin running another couple locations. They had seen within this business that the family connection really uh, set them up for success. So if they were gonna have these satellite locations from California in Denver, Ohio, New York, and Florida, they really saw if they had a family member running them that it was a lot more successful than if they just hired a manager from that area. So 
Um, I moved out here, didn't know anyone, stayed in like a long-term hotel for a while. And um, I did that for about a year and a half. So I ran this ceramic supply, small company. We had a small production, warehouse, retail shop, local deliveries with a truck. Um, I ran that for about a year and a half. Then I decided I wanted to get back into communications, ended up getting a job at a um, agency downtown. And yeah, so <laughs> then I- Let, let me the jump in there. Let me jump in there real quick yeah. because you're talking about at 22 years old or however you old you are, you're now running a business with multiple employees and something you've never done before. That's wild. Did your parents, uh, growing up in entrepreneurial families, I see this a lot where people are successful entrepreneurs after growing up in that environment. Did they talk business with you when you were younger? Was that a part of your, kind of your family life? Did you know how the business ran and things like that? Yeah. I mean, I would work at my dad's company in the summers. Um, so I had kind of been a part of the company in small, you know, ways for a while. Um, I, I think I would always thought for whatever reason, you know, you get these ideas when you're young and, you know, you really don't know how they're going to play out. But I always said that, I, oh, I'm going to run my own business one day. So having kind of the mix of the communications experience coming from the agency world, and then I went and worked in hospitals after that, and I got a lot of PR, but also marketing experience. And then having had that small, you know, year and a half experience at Laguna Clay Company, and then also having grown up around that, I kind of, you know, put all that together. And then I got my MBA. I guess that's an important piece to add too. <laughs> I did, um, right before Brad and I started a family, I finished up my master's um, in business administration with an emphasis in marketing because I do have a real passion for marketing. Um, right, so that was in, I wrapped that up in 2007. And so I kind of had all these little things that I thought gave me kind of, um, and then, you know, give me kind of the, the pieces I needed to make a good go at this. I, when we went into it, I wasn't hundred percent sure how it would turn out. We kind of, Brad and I went into it saying, let's just, you know, every step of the way, try as hard as we can and see what happens. And I think maybe looking back, I told myself that so that I wouldn't get too overwhelmed by the process. But I think I always knew that I would get the ball to where I needed it to go. Um, do feel that I'm really resourceful and that has been being resourceful and being passionate about the brand has really kind of taken me through the seven year process to get the studio open and through COVID. So then you are now going to a place where you love to work out and you saw the need for it in the community. Did you before that ever think about owning a franchise as a, as a form of your entrepreneurship? No, I don't think I ever really had thought that far along the road. I think I had just kind of thought about it as being an entrepreneur. And I don't know if I actually knew a ton about being a franchise owner before this. I think I, you know, really starting the process, it's allowed me to learn and I've learned so much throughout. So it wasn't that I... I, I think I had the general feeling that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I didn't actually know 100% which avenue it would take at that point. And um, I do get asked the question a lot. 
why didn't you do this on your own? Why did you work with a franchise? And for me personally, um, I think it's important to know your strengths and your weaknesses. And I knew there were things I was really good at. I knew that I was resourceful. I could handle the marketing. Um, I had some HR experience. I had the business kind of uh, accounting, like I had that in place. Um, but one thing I knew I wasn't going to be as strong at as, is I don't have the education to come up with exercises that I know can keep people safe and that are effective. And that's really important to me um, that I needed the franchise to be the backbone of the workout. So I really rely on them for the training. And the other thing I, as a client at Bar Method in Cherry Creek, I knew that they did a really good job. I knew that their instructors were really well prepared. They were thorough. It was a nice environment. It was really welcoming, supportive. So before we even started looking into it, I knew that there was a lot of work going on behind the scenes. So um, that's, that's really the reason that I decided to go that avenue because I really appreciated how much they prepared their teachers to give the clients a really good experience. And correct me if I'm wrong with this, but franchise ownership versus just starting your own business, um, you are working under their brand. So you own the business, but you're working within a set of rules that you have to adhere by, right? You have to use their logo. You have to use their certain size of logo. You have to make the space a certain way um, because that's the way they, they need it to stay consistent in that case. And you also have to go by their like menu basically, right? And do things the, the way they're giving you kind of the product, but you're running the business. Is that correct? Yeah, that's, a, that's really kind of a big picture at it. And I'm sure that different franchises do it different ways, but in general, that's kind of, you pay into the franchise for your initial payment, you get use of the logo, you get all the supports that they have available to you to open your studio. So there might be a marketing packet that says, here's a list of ideas that other owners have done. They find this helpful. Um, here's, you know, the build out when you're building out your space. These are the things that you actually have to do per your franchise agreement. These are the things that you might have some more liberties for. Um, so then you take all this stuff that they give you and you, you know, the things that are controlled by them per your franchise agreement that you've um, signed, then you adhere to those. But for example, when you're sitting down to plan your grand opening, you, um, they're giving you the ideas there and then you take those ideas and then you implement them. So, um, it isn't that they're doing the work for you. Um, there is a difference between a franchisor of a franchise um, versus a corporately owned franchise. So some corporations do have units that they own themselves and that they manage and they run. Um, I am not that. I am an independent business person. I have my own company. I do business as the Bar Method Denver Northfield. Um, and Bar Method does have one corporate office. It's in or studio. It's in Minneapolis. So they and it's nice when they do that because then they can test out some of their marketing playbooks. They can kind of use it as a little uh, testing zone and then bring things out to the bigger network. 
Um, and, but yeah, essentially I'm a small business. I pay this fee upfront. I have rules I have to follow and then I pay royalties. So for the ongoing support, the franchisor takes a small cut of your business. Yeah, and I always think that the most common franchise that people would know would be restaurants and like fast food and McDonald's. And I know they do have some corporate offices too, but you're, it's turnkey in a lot of ways that their stuff is set up for you. But I think that people have a misnomer of how much work you're still actually doing in it. You're still hiring your own people, right? You're still coming up with your own scheduling and, and coordinating all of that. And um, there's marketing on top of that. You're, you're paying them for some marketing on a, a national level, I think, right? You pay into that, but then yeah. you're also having to do your own thing there too. So it's a, I'm sure it's a tricky balance. When you came on board with the bar method, how was that? Did you reach out to them? How did that process go when you originally kind of like looking into what was the process of looking into it then moving forward? Like, yeah. So with the bar method, I, you do your initial inquiry online and you say, Hey, I'm interested in opening a studio. <laughs> and it's kind of a scary step. You push the button. You're like, okay, <laughs> they reach back out to you. They send you this information. So every step gets progressively more involved. So then they send you back a bigger application and then they start asking, you know, before they even get into very many details, they want to see like, is this person financially able, like, is this a possibility for this person or do they have the resources to make this possible? So then you send that back and then they invite you to the headquarters. You meet with their team, they interview you. It felt like a very intense job interview with, um, I actually felt really lucky that I got to interview with the woman who started Bar Method, Burr Leonard. Um, so, and then I got to teach her a class. So they want to know like business-wise, can you handle this? We talked about my family a lot. I was a mom of three kids. Like they definitely want to make sure, can you balance this? Um, and then you teach Burr at the time, part of a class, because they also want to see if you can be a good instructor. Um, I believe this rule has since changed, but when I went through this process, you had to be um, anyone owning more than 20% had to be um, ha an instructor as well. So while I didn't initially set out to be an instructor, I am an introvert, you know, big crowds are hard for me. I use that passion that I mentioned before to push myself to become an instructor because I knew that was the only way I could get to being the owner piece of it. And I have found some passion and some love in teaching now um, six years later, but it definitely started off a little bit uncomfortable for me. So then you leave, say I went to San Francisco for all of this. At that time they were based in San Francisco. Now the brand is based in Minneapolis. You go through that, um, and you go home and you wait <laughs> and then they call you back and they, you know, you get the welcome you're invited to open a studio. So then from that point, you're working on your business plan and you're, you know, what can I afford for rent? What kind of space do I need? Um, where is it going to go? When I was looking for a space in our community, it was really, really challenging at that time. There really wasn't a lot built out and anything that was on the books to be built had already had all of its tenants secured. I would love to know too, if 
are they helping support you in finding your location or do they say you have to have a certain size space and it has to be near these places and near this many number of people? How did they help support you in finding your location? Yeah, so I was matched up with someone at the headquarters and he flew out and we drove around in the community for a day and we looked at different areas, met with a couple of brokers and he would say to me, yes, this is a good area. No, this is a good area. And it was all great. And I was super excited for his opinion, but it really didn't matter because there was nothing available. So <laughs> I had to kind of sit on it. And at that time for 10 months, I was running free classes out of my basement. So I had turned my basement into a community space where I could practice teaching because I was a brand new teacher. I could start to hire its staff to start teaching and training them. Our training process, it has since compacted, but when this, you know, five, six years ago, it was a six month process. So it took a long time. You needed time to train. You couldn't just open the studio doors and have new teachers train teaching. You had to prepare them before you could open the doors to your space. So this community space um, in my basement with my small children, we would offer classes at 530 in the morning till seven o'clock at night. It was kind of crazy, um, but we did it and it seemed fine. And it's hard looking back, remembering that we did this, but um, we got the excitement in the community for the workout and it was helpful when we transitioned to the actual space. So. So at the time when the gentleman came out from the headquarters, really nothing was available. I kept hounding people. Remember I mentioned before the resourcefulness. So sometimes being resourceful is continuing, like staying on top of people's minds, going back, trying to look at something a little bit differently. And so while the mall where I ended up had initially said no, because they had a larger fitness tenant that they were entertaining, that fell through. They reached back out and they said, actually, do you want a space? So that kind of set a lot of things in motion. Um, it was then, okay, negotiate the lease, get that down, plus be working with the architect and get, you know, trying to get plans to permit, you know, you kind of need to have all these things happening at the same time so that you can get these doors opened as quickly as possible. This is fascinating to me. I, I know nothing about commercial real estate or leasing and things like that. And so you're what Jamal seems like a great location. You guys certainly have a beautiful studio there. You're renting that space, but then you're still responsible for retrofitting it and making it look like you want it and bar method wants it to look right at that point. Yeah. So they, you know, I would say I'm still a commercial real estate newbie, although after, you know, five and a half years, six years working with a commercial landlord, I've learned a ton, but it is, it is a little overwhelming. Um, I think if I were to do it again, I would be so much more well-prepared, but they give it to you in kind of their white box form. So the space before me was a jeweler, which is really funny to think about. So they had all these jewelry cases, like, welded um kind of screwed into the cement on the ground so there's like a lot of holes so basically when we came in it was some remnant carpeting where they had torn out these big cases walls it was a pretty open space and then um the back space was walled off and we came in with the architect the engineers 
and said, okay, what can you do to this space? And they came up with a couple, you know, they're say, here's the space, here's the build out manual from corporate that has the, the must haves in it. What can you do? So they came up with a couple options and um, we settled on the one that we currently have where the lobby goes along the really open window space and the studio's on the opposite side. And, um, but it was kind of fun, you know, there, it used to have one toilet and one sink. We now have two toilets, four sinks, a washer and dryer. So we had to bring extra plumbing in. Um, a more fun part of the project was picking out the finishes. How do we make it feel like an elevated space, but still really clean and pretty simple? Um, we have a kids club in the back. And how do we make, you know, 200 square feet feel really fun for these kids who are being babysat while their parents are working out? Um, one funny thing is I thought I would build this office in the back and I would sit in there and work. Oh my gosh, what was I thinking? There's no windows. Who, it's a closet. Like who would want to sit in there? <laughs> I want to be up front. I want to be in class. I want to be interacting with the clients. So that room is, while I thought it would be an office, it's just storage for us. Which is probably very needed. Uh, you are very impressive. And this is fascinating to me that you took all this on and, and it's it's so much on, on so many levels. You're just like you talked about, I think the best way to learn is by doing and you're doing it and learning so much, I'm sure daily. But I want to go back before that you to, to have the confidence to do something like this and the confidence to run this business when you're 22, for your family, even like, have you always been confident in your own abilities and yourself? Or where, and where do you think that comes from? Oh my gosh, no, actually, <laughs> um, confidence is something that I've, I've really struggled with my whole life. And I, I do feel like I'm kind of, as I age, getting better at recognizing where, what I'm good at and what I can be confident about and where I should maybe sit back a little bit <laughs> because I'm not as good at it. Um, and maybe don't be very confident. Um, but that is actually one of the reasons that I fell in love with the bar method. So I'd had my second child um, and a friend of mine, maybe we were a couple months after having both having had kids. And she said, my friend's trying this bar workout in Birmingham and she loves it. And do you want to go try it here? And I was like, okay, sure, let's go. Um, and I, it wasn't the first class. It was the second class that I really fell in love with it. And I think part of what I absolutely fell in love with is it did give me a little confidence. Like you're given these really challenging exercises and you, your mind is telling you, why don't you just stand up? Why are you doing this? You know, but you know, if you can just stay really focused in, in it, that you're, it's going to pay off and you're stronger. And I, and I gained so much confidence from that. Every time I walked into the studio, I would leave and I would just feel like a little bit taller, a little bit more confident. And, and really like that amazing feeling led to my love for the bar method and then growing that passion and having that passion help me overcome any obstacles that have come my way for this business. That's wonderful. I think that um, that the the knowledge or that you can do it and kind of figuring things out. And I think you are figuring so many things out, even with the support from the franchise and even navigating that relationship's got to be a trip when you're when you're on the inside of it. 
um, with that, so then you're retrofitting this space and they're giving you some guidance, but you're responsible for that. Are you hiring the contractors and everything to do the work too? You have to deal with all of that or is the franchise supporting you in that kind of stuff? So for me, I, at this time in this evolving uh, landscape of the growth of the bar method, I was hiring everyone. I was the general contractor. I put out an RFP. So that was a really fun process. Um, huge learning curve. I went out to five different uh, general contractors for the same bid. And I was so surprised by, you know, one was the prices that I got back. So it was like, well, is that person priced to hire? Cause the work's going to be so much better or, you know, um, or can you really just do the work for the other guy's price? That's, you know, way a little bit less, you know, pretty a good amount less, but so that was really, really challenging um, to go through that process. And the architect kind of helped navigate that. But yeah, I interviewed everyone. We talked through it, um, made sure we were giving each person the same criteria for the bid to come back. And even though it's a small space, so it's um, 2,500 square feet, in the you know commercial world, it's really not a big space. But for me, in my little world, it felt like a huge space. And so, um, but it was also finding a general contractor that would take my smaller space when they have different size jobs, would take it and give it kind of the, the love that it needed. So yeah, we ended up going with a great company and they did really nice work. Um, and they left when they're done, they give me a binder that's like, I can't even tell you how big it is. It's like this huge three ring binder. They're like, here you go. <laughs> Here's all the information about the subs. And um, they also a really cool part of the process was taking all the designs down to the city and getting approval with them, which when we were building this out, I mean, Denver, I still feel like is in kind of a design building boom. There's um, cranes everywhere still, but this was a particular, this was in 2016, like fall of 2016. Um, they, I mean, the, the backlog and trying to get, we're, and we're sitting here, you're paying people, you're trying to get this open as quickly as possible. Um, that was a little bit stressful, but I enjoyed going down to the permitting office, rolling out the plans, you know, explaining everything to them and, then they come back to you. And then once you start construction, that's a whole different thing. And this is all, in my experience, this is all me on my own. Corporate support was really, there was none at this point. And I'm sure that every franchisor does it a little bit different. And I do know since the bar method was acquired by a bigger company a couple of years ago, the process has changed. Um, whereas I think you're using their general contractor, their architects just to bring some standardization to the process. And I don't know, don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because I think if it can bring the cost down, um, it's a pretty steep investment that you're putting into the build out. And so if they can get that cost to come down, that's the sooner that you're going to be able to make money in your business. How are you mentally and emotionally dealing with this? I'm just hearing your, I'm, I'm, getting anxiety, listening to you talking about this and you're spending all this money, you've committed to do this, you're doing all this stuff and there's delays as there always are with construction and permitting 
and money's going out the door. We are to have, you know, at least you're working out of your basement, but like how mentally and emotionally did you deal with going through that? Just, you knew it was going to happen eventually, but it's not happening. Like, do you have mantras that you go by or like people that you leaned on during that time? How did you make it through those times where you're not ready to open yet? Well, I work out a lot. <laughs> I work out for the physical benefit of it, but I also it's such a huge part of my mental wellness. Um, it really does like, and that's why I love the bar method because it's not only a physical outlet, but it's a mental outlet. So that helps me kind of remain calm throughout the whole thing. I do have to say my husband is really supportive. I I really have to believe that it was my passion for this brand and my drive to want to open the studio that got me through because looking back and hearing you say that, I'm like, how did I do that? Because I, my kids at the time, I mean, they're older now, it makes more sense, but um, my oldest at that time um, was nine and then there's two underneath him. So, um, you know, it wasn't like the perfect timing for my family as far as the age of the kids. I think a better timing my youngest would have been in kindergarten, but I saw the opportunity in the community and I knew that if I didn't move on it, it was the opportunity would be too late. Um, and I did have a direct competitor open a year after I opened. So I, I was really, really thankful that I had kind of that year heads up to, um, get our community started. So then you do all this work and you're working. What what was the time frame between when you kind of filled out that application online and when your doors open? Man, that's a good question. I think I kind of love this because I haven't thought about these things in a long time, especially with COVID. Everything has been so focused on like, how do we make it through? How do we just get through this month? How do we keep going? And so it's, I haven't really in so long kind of taken a big look back. I'm going to say that it was about a year from when I first applied online with the bar method to when we opened our doors. And if I'm wrong, it's probably just a touch more than that. So maybe closer to like 15 or 16 months versus 12 months. So, um, but yeah, we were in the basement but the basement was free. So I couldn't charge anything because we were in our house. And once you start charging for your business in your house, it changes how your home insurance covers you. And so we really like had to think that through because that got tricky. It's like, we're putting out money to pay a staff. We're hosting these classes. We're having a lot of fun, but it's not, it's taking us in kind of the wrong direction. So it's funny. It was taking us in the right direction one way and in the wrong direction the other way. So, um, we were just really anxious. You know, they said it would be a six week build out. It was definitely longer than that. And I think that's the experience that most people have. Um, Cause the permitting comes into that. Every time a piece of the build out project would complete. So let's say that they got the studs in, they had to have someone from the city review it. Okay, well that might be backlogged because he's or she's gotta go all around. So, okay, well then they get there. Now they've got the drywall up. Now the drywaller ha person has to come check. And so every step needed someone to check off before you could kind of go on to the next. So it ended up being quite a process. Um, I'm gonna say it ended up being 10 to 12 weeks 
versus the six weeks. Um, but we um, were able to move everything in December 23rd of 2016. So yeah, it was a couple of days before Christmas. So I had some friends, I called them, I'm like, I have the keys, we can move in. Um, and so we just started taking all the equipment from the basement and across the street, we just put it, started like just getting it all set up and it was so exciting. And then we held our first class, I think two days after that, because we needed the Christmas holiday to happen and then we could hold a class. <laughs> Take me, take me through your emotions when you finally, you did all this work, which a year to me, that it's interesting. That seems shorter than I would even imagine it, but that's such a long time, especially with all you're investing in this emotionally and financially, but take me through your emotions. Did you take time to reflect on that when you had your first classes? What was that like when you actually were in your space, had your first class and you did it? You actually did this. You made it happen. Yeah, I think, so this is like this answer kind of goes back to your question about confidence earlier. Remember, I said, I'm still working on that. So <laughs> I, for some reason, have not let myself celebrate, you know, every people would come up and they'd be like, Oh, my gosh, you're open. That's amazing. And like, yeah, but in the back of my head, I'm like, but we don't have X members yet. Or but we haven't, um, I haven't paid off, I haven't paid off my loan, my, the loan to get to where we are. And in my head for so many years, I was like, we won't, I won't be able to really celebrate and feel accomplished until I pay off this loan. And, you know, now having gone through the pandemic, I think every, you know, every month, six months is an accomplishment. And I need to feel good about that because Pepper, sorry. My dog, my puppy is scared by something. Um, I think that it's important to celebrate even the smaller milestones and, you know, break it up. It doesn't have to be this big, huge thing because I feel pretty darn proud that our doors are still open right now. And I kind of hate that it took a huge global pandemic for me to get that perspective. I think my now self should have wishes that earlier self would have recognized that because it's the really the small things that lead up to it and all the client stories that I've heard, you know, how much our studio has affected people's lives or given them confidence or strength or just been that thing that gets them through that, that those are the, the huge, those are the whys. So I'm glad that you are reflecting now and, and seeing all the wonderful things you've done. And I think from the outside, when people see business ownership, myself included, it does seem so glamorous in so many ways. And you look at it in that way that you're doing things that are feeding you in so many ways. But as a business owner, and we've had small conversations about this, your mind is in all these little things and all these difficult things and you know plans for it. Um, when COVID did hit, how the hell did you manage, manage that with an in-person studio what were, what did you do and kind of how did you make that? How did you make it work? Yeah, unfortunately, a group fitness studio is kind of on the spectrum of businesses that can make it through a pandemic. It's on the lower end. And I'm so happy of all the businesses that kind of were on the upper end and really thrived, but it was darn challenging um, being on kind of the other end of the spectrum. It was difficult navigating the city's protocols um, and how they would communicate out the information and 
you would get the media would give you some information and then the Department of Health would give you other and sometimes you would think the Department of Health would come out first but sometimes that wasn't always the truth and so we had to get good at reading through executive orders um, and that was challenging um, you know talking to colleagues in the area there the bar method um, Cherry Creek was open at that time so we would talk to each other um, being both in Denver County and say okay what are you thinking this means what do you think it means and again it was that resourcefulness like we just had to come up with ways that we could still continue what we're doing try as hard as we could to hold on to our members to help get us through and in hindsight it's a, it looks different and I don't know how we did it but I almost think not knowing how long it could possibly last got us through whereas you know in the beginning we thought oh it's going to be a couple of weeks close the studio no classes or transition quickly to online that's what we did immediately we just went into went on to like facebook live really quickly started taping classes so people could do them at home and we're fortunate that our workout lends pretty well to doing at home versus you have some other formats that require a lot of equipment and you can't do those so easily at home so ours did translate easily to a home setting pretty easily um you can't duplicate it perfectly the studio is the studio but you can do it really well and we still have clients that are doing it and they're committed and i love it um so we just had to be prepared to pivot every time there was a new executive order a new restriction and just try to keep people enthused and excited and keep them moving um we had some challenges that were done from home we um we did outdoor classes we did online classes we did the mall was actually very supportive of our outdoor classes and that was a real like bonus for us because there were some fitness locations that maybe their location is such that they don't have access to a space outside where they could do it or the space outside was a city and then you had to get the city involved and the city had restrictions on outdoor spaces so it was really <clears throat> really helpful that we had that and we just kept doing it and i the team helped they were there they were brainstorming with me um and we just tried to do the best we could so it we made it through um but we're still in recovery i mean it's still this is may of 2022 just for the record <laughs> and we're very much in recovery we are not where we were in um you know let's say february of 2020. so that that's amazing to me making it through COVID, and i know you say you're still climbing back and and adding people as as they get comfortable to getting out of COVID. are there business lessons that you learned through that time that you will use moving forward from kind of a positive mindset standpoint the biggest one that jumps out to me is, you know, really relooking at things. So I feel like just me as a person, I have some maybe rigid ideas about how things should be. And I think one thing I learned during COVID is that I, it's probably good to, if you find yourself having some of those rigid ideas to kind of step back and take a second look or a third and see if there's other ways to do things. Um, I do find myself letting go of some of those, oh, it must be done this way. 
And I'll actually say, I've always felt that this should be done this way, but I'm thinking maybe I should think about this differently. Um, and then also just knowing, like, I really feel like I could probably handle, I mean, most everything. I feel like if we can handle that, um, and then in the middle of the pandemic, our community name changed and it was kind of like a no brainer. I was like, of course, we're going to change this. And, you know, people would say, well, what about marketing and, you know, blah, you know, kind of other, how this has a trickle down effect for your small business. And I would say, I, I don't know, we're going to figure that out because we can, and we will. And I just, in a weird way, gave me a little bit more confidence to be able to handle some things. Um, but at the same time, you know, a little less confidence in that we're still very much rebuilding and need to get back to firing on all cylinders. Yeah. I, one of the, my goals for this podcast is to help amazing women like you see, see you should be uber confident. Like it's just insane to me, like that you have been able to do this and are running this business and with three freaking children, young children that you started this out and, and that you've done even with your college thing and, and doing something else before, like that you've always put yourself in these positions and then figured it out. Like that's, that's remarkable to me and so impressive. And yeah, handling COVID and I can't imagine the ordinances in the city and then balancing that with how you feel about it in general health and all of those other things that came into it while you're still taking care of your own family on top of that and the stressors that are put on moms as opposed to dads too with all that. Like you should be, do you feel like a badass? That's a question I need to ask you. Do you, do you feel like one? Oh man, the confident person in me wants to be like, hell yeah. But the realistic and kind of the not so confident person is like, we haven't fully survived Dan. I haven't done anything super remarkable yet. So let's see how the next year goes. You know, that is like, I think, I know that's, it's awful. Like I should be celebrating but I also think maybe that's what helps drive the entrepreneur forward is this continual push to make it to a different level. I'm not going to say it's up, down, sideways, but like there's always the yes, but I could do X, Y, and Z. And I think those are what gets you through when there's not a complacency. There's not a, oh, good, I'm finally good. It's a, we're good today, but what can we do tomorrow? And I, there were days during the pandemic when I was wondering, would I wake up and not feel that drive to do more and keep going and keep being resourceful and keep pushing? I still have that drive every day. I wake up and I'm like, okay, now we're so focused on getting new clients into the studio, feeding the funnel, getting long-term members. How can I get new clients in? We're still brainstorming. We've tried everything <laughs> in uh, five and a half years, but we want to try it again. And I do feel like our world is different now. So there's things that there might be new things based on COVID. There could be things we could try again that maybe they didn't work before, but they could work now. So I want to expose more people to our workout, get them in, experience our community. Cause I do think what we have is unique. And um, until I don't have that drive, then I don't know. We'll just keep going until I don't. But do I feel like a badass? No, I don't feel like I wake up and I I think I should probably start 
you know, with like a daily mantra, I've been trying to bring in more meditation into my life. Um, I do think that those things are really important. And I think I would like to get there. But I feel like I have a little bit more way to go till I could confidently say that. <laughs> well, I think that that's probably why you have been successful too. And having that always forward thinking mentality and a lot of entrepreneurs that I know who've been successful have that they really revel in the problem solving and pushing things forward. And they know even when things are good, stuff is going to go awry and they need to be ready for it. Um, how with that, what was the question I wanted to ask you? I had a specific one. Um, with your business and mindset, this is what it is with your business and, and how much of your life, I'm sure that takes over and your identity, all of these things. How do you, still be a good mother how wife and and all the you know all of the family components how do you separate things and keep that in a way that's manageable how have you been able to do that or how are you working on doing that yeah I think you put that really well that last part you said like how are you working on doing that because I think whether you own a business or not you depending on what mixes are in your day. I think we're all struggling with that work-life balance. And am I doing enough in this spot or am I taking away? I mean, energy, I tell my kids this all the time. How do you have energy to bicker with your brother? You know, and they, they don't get it. They're so full of energy. I'm feeling like now that energy is infinite and I need to conserve it. So if it's infinite, if it's not infinite and you're working hard at your business, then you're probably not having enough energy for home. So it's, it's a continual struggle. Um, my family is really important to me. And in some instances over the years, I have sacrificed um, revenue so I could hire people to help me more so that I can be available for my family. And that's something that um, while it isn't the diehard, make all the money you can, entrepreneurial mindset, um, it was what works, I was able to do and worked for my family. And I think that's, I wouldn't change those decisions if I had to go back. So fortunately for me, I am literally across the street. I live across the street from the studio. The studio schedule is such where, you know, a chunk in the morning, then a break, then more in the evening, you know, so I can kind of go come back. I can run over. I can be here. Um, having that flexibility, I was before COVID, you know, I could still volunteer in the schools. I could still kind of get some of that stuff in. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've definitely made a choice that my family was just as important as the studio. So while there are, you know, weekends that we have events or big things going on, I might be gone for the whole weekend, but then maybe during the week I have a little bit more flexibility and I'm here in the evening. So it's really just um, the flexibility and trying to work out that balance because it is an ongoing, um, it's an ongoing battle to make sure am I there enough for my kids? Am I there enough for my business? So. Oh yeah, then my husband. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I kind of lump him in with the kids. He's very important too. And he runs his own company. So between the two of us, we're able to kind of keep the balls in the air and juggle. And except for 
a trip recently, if he's traveling, I'm in town, I don't travel as much as him, but maybe I have a couple days where I'm teaching nonstop at the studio, then he's more around. So we kind of are able to make it work. And then we have um, his, some of his family here that help us a lot. This job and owning a business like this takes up so much of your life. Do you have hobbies and passions outside of, besides your kids outside of this that you're able to kind of fill your cup with? Um, I mean, it, this is a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> I think, um, I'm not sure if people realize owning a business, whatever size it is. Um, I'm actually kind of convinced that maybe the smaller one, this is more appropriate versus when it gets bigger, you can kind of step away a little bit, but for my small business, which is, you know, one full-time employee and one half-time and then a bunch of very part-time instructors like 10 um for us or for me this starts at six in the morning sometimes at 5 45 like recently with a phone call um and it doesn't end until 10 30 or 11 at night so um and that's just where i'm at and i handle all the marketing for the studios so i might be posting things before i go to bed i'm answering um emails text messages um, I'm fortunate to have a part-time studio manager, so she takes on some of that too, which was really nice. She's been on board for a couple of years. Really nice to feel like someone else could help with those messages that come in at the really random hours. Um, so, but it, it, it's like a from my wake up, from when I go to bed kind of responsibility. Outside of that, I still love the workout. I go try to take class at least four times a week, if not more. Um, in the past year, I started doing some personal training and lifting heavy weights, and I really like that too. Um, I love spending time with my family. We love to go skiing. I snowboard. They all ski. Um, we really make that a priority in the winter. We love traveling, which we're excited to do this summer because we haven't really had the opportunity for a little bit. Um, we really enjoy movies, some of the sports around town. But what do I do outside of <laughs> what I do every day? I don't know. I just try to appreciate the small things, you know, whether it's like I get to go do something for myself, like sneak it in here and there, then I'm happy and spend time with my kids and I don't know, keep it kind of basic, <laughs> see friends. How have you, and we'll wrap up pretty soon here, but, but that makes me think of, again, I, I kind of think of when you won't take your own advice or you'd give better advice to other people. Um, how are you at working on more delegation? You talked about hiring someone at, at you know, forsaking profit, but it makes it more of a work-life balance. Um, are you working on doing that even more where you're giving up more control and delegating? Because I know that can be so difficult, especially when you're so passionate about something and it's your baby. How are you working with that balance, delegating and, and giving up control of things, even if you know it won't be as good initially, but you can work up to that point? Yeah, I, I think that I, I'm okay with delegating. I am. I'm also at kind of a strange point where because we're in this rebuilding mode, I am being conscious of the payroll. I mean, that's one of the things like the overhead, which overhead can be a killer. I mean, especially in this area, the rent, I can only control that so much. Um, and so 
payroll is an area where I can make a difference right now with my time. So I'm really trying, I'm at kind of a battle right now where I need to, yeah, I think it'd be great to step away and delegate more, but I also really need us to, in this rebuilding time to be as lean as possible so that we can make it through this time. So not only are we rebuilding from COVID, but it's summer and summer is historically slower for fitness because people are traveling, people are outside more. Um, so that's, I think right now in this particular time, I'm a little bit less to delegate, but um, I'm not opposed to it. And I do, I do very much believe that like, I can't do everything and I have to know my limits. So I've been for so long, I would love to delegate my marketing. So if you find someone that is good with social media, marketing, um, please let me know. You'll have an interview and you'll be like, oh my gosh, I know who I need to put you in touch with. Because I've had a hard time finding someone that could take on the voice that I think I've created. And also, you know, come into the studio, get the pictures. I mean, it takes like, you have to kind of be involved in the thing to, to do the thing. So yeah, I, one of my goals is to get our women up to speed and, and work on social media because I think there's so many people and small businesses who need that service and, and you could have, it's a very valuable skill. Uh, okay, that is the time I have today. This was wonderful. I hope that, and I will continue to push you to realize how amazing you are and, and what you've done is very impressive. And I think you helped me realize too, I think when we think of franchises, we think of them as giant national behemoth brands and, and don't see the franchisee, the, the one actually running the operation. And then there's so much work and love and dedication that goes into that. So this was a great opening experience for me to, to learn that from you. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to say earlier that I didn't add it into the right, the correct, when I was kind of in the back of my head is that, you know, we talked about how the franchisor will give us kind of these playbooks and they're kind of their best guess at the best opportunity to do well. So say it's a marketing playbook or your grand opening playbook, or um, they'll say, here you go, here's our best ideas. And what I really found is that, and I would love to hear from another franchisee, if this is their experience, you know, as much as we're all the same brand, every community is different. So we are in our own microcosm. So Central Park is not like Cherry Creek and Cherry Creek is not like Pasadena, California. And that's not like, you know, an, another uh, bar studio on the East Coast. So even though we're all the same brand and we have the same, um, we have the same training as teachers and maybe some of the aesthetics are the same in the studio, the props are the same, we are our own unique community. And so when I get these things from corporate, I say, okay, great, but let me spend the time and massage this into what will work in my community. So, and I feel really fortunate to live and work in my community. Um, I have thought that there's plenty of people that don't actually live four minutes from their business. That's totally normal. I just happen to be this kind of abnormal person, but, um, I am thankful that I'm, I'm in the community and working in the community. I feel like it gives me a little bit of a closer um, connection. But yeah, so you might, I have all this great, you know, I might have great resources from the franchisor, but it's still, it's me. I've got to customize everything. I've got to come up with it. And 
it's just, it's, um, you know, it's just a small business. That's it. 